This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everyone's having a good day today. Getting excited for the weekend. It's a it's a wonderful time of year, you guys. Um, even if today is April Fool's Day, hope you don't become the victim of any pranks today. Um, so much sports going on gives me plenty to talk about. Um, today is no exception. A lot of good stuff coming up on this show, Nick Delorier from The Wild will be on in just a few minutes. Their new fourth line enforcer, grit guy, however you want to define him, um, showed up on our Zoom call with stitches on his nose because he broke his nose a couple weeks ago, um, a black eye. He just he looks the part, but a fantastic um, guy to talk to, really interesting answers, really good kind of perspective on his own career. So I hope you enjoy that conversation here in just a little bit. Got to get to some women's Final Four stuff. We'll play a clip from Paige Beckers, who talked to the media over Zoom on Thursday in advance of Friday's Final Four beginning those semifinal games tonight at Target Center. Um, big, big, big games. UConn versus Stanford and South Carolina against Louisville should be fantastic. I will be there We'll have a bonus podcast, by the way, over the weekend from the Women's Final Four as well. Got to get to some Gophers women's basketball news, which was not great. Sarah Scalia entering the transfer portal. That happened yesterday, not long after I recorded, so I want to get to that here today. And a baseball rule that I don't like is coming back for 2022. But first, what did I miss? Going to stay with baseball for a minute. Joe Ryan. Twins rookie made five starts last season and has now been anointed the opening day starter for the Twins next week uh, when they open when they open the season in six days. Um, on the surface, I, I guess I don't have a ton of a, a ton of problems with it. He he certainly showed a lot of promise. I liked him when I even when I just dug into some of his minor league peripheral numbers after the Twins traded for him in the Nelson Cruz deal last year. But this move to name him opening day starter feels a little bit desperate, doesn't it? Doesn't it kind of show you the lack of what they have on this roster in terms of pitching right now? When you look at the rest of the presumed rotation and you look at Sonny Gray, who's who's accomplished, who, who should be pretty good, um, but maybe you know doesn't need that distinction necessarily, and is still kind of working his arm up into the best shape possible. Chris Archer, who just signed and is coming off of an injury, he's he's made opening day starts before. Dylan Bundy, same with him. Veterans, and that was kind of the surprise piece. They have a lot of veterans who could have gotten that call. Uh, Bailey Ober even uh, could have gotten that call to a slightly more accomplished young pitcher who threw more innings than Joe Ryan did a year ago, but. Joe Ryan gets the call, and listen, I don't want to, I don't want to like put be a wet blanket on the Joe Ryan experience because he was really good in a lot of those starts he made a season ago. But it was five starts in September, um, all of them in September. Like I said, none of them against teams with winning records. It was two against the Cubs, two against Cleveland, and one against Detroit. Um, so September baseball against teams out of the pennant race with losing records. Um and again and again he was good in those games. He you know he the strikeouts were good, the walks were good, only five walks, 30 strikeouts in 26 and two thirds innings. He got hit pretty hard in his last start, but all the other ones 
were very good. You know, he had a what he'd only given up in his first 22 innings. He'd only given up five earned runs. So he was. I'm not saying he wasn't productive last season because he certainly was. What I am saying is, did we see even close to enough from Joe Ryan last year to say that's your opening day starter? And I guess for the Twins they did, and but it feels mostly like it was by default. Not that Joe Ryan isn't a good pitcher, but did he earn this opportunity yet after five September starts against similarly bad teams? I don't know. This tells me less about Joe Ryan and more about the state of the Twins pitching. I hope for his sake, I hope for the Twins' sake, I hope for the fans' sake that he has a good year, that this opening day start proves to be a good idea. Um, I'm just reminded a little bit, unfortunately, of Vance Worley. I was thinking about Twins' opening day starters. He was the opening day starter in 2013 after being acquired from Philadelphia in the offseason when the Twins were desperate for pitching. And as the headlines in late March, Vance Worley named Twins opening day starter. And then the headlines from late May, opening day starter Vance Worley optioned to class triple A. So I hope that is not the Joe Ryan experience. I hope that he, um, you know, he shows the confidence, shows the ability that he has. I just worry that this is a move by default and it really shows the depth of the Twins pitching or the lack thereof. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Really happy to be joined on Daily Delivery today by one of the newest members of the Wild. That could be anybody, because they made a lot of moves at the deadline. But in this case, it is Nick Delorier forward. Um, you can't see him right now on my zoom screen but he's got a nice shiner on his eye he's got some stitches on his nose because that, that got broken a couple of weeks ago kind of explains a little bit of uh what your role is does it not nick <laughs> yeah no obviously uh like like you said it broke it a couple of weeks ago so every time i touch it a bit so on that last fight you know uh just uh just got nick there with the with the visor and uh you know nose is a little sensitive uh these days how, you know, I'm always kind of interested when, you know, people make it to the NHL, everybody growing up had, you know, everybody who's in the NHL right now growing up was obviously one of the best players on their team was, you know, scoring a lot of goals, things like that. How did your role evolve to, you know, still contributing offensively, but to, to the role you have today in the NHL? Yeah, no, my path is really different than a lot of people. Uh, I was a D-man, uh, offensive D-man all, all my career. Uh, until probably my third year pro, uh, I got drafted in the NHL as a D-man. And, uh, no, uh, my transition was uh, quite quite odd, obviously. Uh, you know, I came back from uh, from a camp uh, in L.A. that I got drafted. And uh, it was, I think, my third camp. And we went to Manchester, New Hampshire. And there were so many guys on the back end. So kind of put myself up front just, just to kind of help out and uh, – you know, I started scoring goals, and obviously you, you kind of like it at that point. But when the season started, uh, I kind of started as a fourth line guy, not playing much. And you know, that's at that point when you you kind of get secure a top four spot as a D man to uh, being a fourth line guy, not playing much. You kind of question a bit what what's going to happen. And then I went back a little bit, back and forth as a D man and a forward. And then I got my chance on the first line and always remember playing with uh, Brendan Cozen and Jordan Will. So two little water bugs just uh, just buzzing there. And, uh, you know, 
trade deadline, uh, had 18 goals and I was playing two minutes on the power play and, uh, as a D man and playing uh, as a first line, uh, as a forward. And then I got traded to Buffalo and that's when I really inked in as being a forward. And I was still not a fighter at that time. I, I kind of maybe had one or two fights a year, but you know, with the size and being a fort line in the NHL, you know, I knew my role that I had to finish every single hit and, you know, I, I fought a, a decent uh, fighter uh, my my first NHL fight against Brandon Pruss. And, uh, you know, I kind of liked it. I didn't do well. I didn't do bad. But uh, that's when I think the the itch got started. And, uh, you know, to, to stay in the NHL, as, as for me, it was uh, to, to be that guy. And, uh, you know, I got better and better. And, you know, that's, that's where I'm at now. Do you like that role or is it a role that you – you play to to kind of to stay in the league uh no i love to be honest with you i love it it's uh there's something there's something about scoring a goal i love scoring goals i wish i could score 50 goals and you know it's it's, you need different roles and for me that was the thing that brought bread on the table and you know i kind of uh adjusted my game to when to go not when to go uh to you know i'm i'm old enough to know what and like what the the energy brings you, you sometimes it's just a hit sometimes it's just a block shot you know sometimes it's fighting and uh no uh i had some some injuries for sure but you know uh, nothing stepped me back i i love it and you know the thing that makes it so sweet is how the teammates respect you and how they know that there's not a lot of people like that and uh you know it's uh it's fun i like it you know sometimes i don't look too great after but uh you know it's uh it's fun. I, I, I like it. I like scoring goals, but you know, if I, if I had to choose, uh, you know, for me, uh, I, I, I put myself in this situation this year of uh, trying to get traded to be in a playoff spot. I've have no experience in the playoffs. I want to prove that my role can be uh, effective. And, you know, I, I put myself in that spot. I had, I, I feel like I've been having a good season. Uh, yes. I've been fighting decently. I've been obviously not scoring a lot, but I've, I've been producing a bit, you know, I was helping a lot of, on the PK uh, in Anaheim and I wanted to, to bring that package, you know, uh, my last two years were really about me trying to prove that I can play hockey and it's not just fighting. And, uh, but when it comes down to this, uh, I, I do love it. You had a goal in your debut with the wild. You look pretty fired up about that. Everybody is when they score. Um, but if it, it, it just, seemed like there was some extra emotion there just getting traded to a team that's in the midst of a playoff push like you said you've never played in an NHL playoff game like I got a lot of questions about you know just the process of getting traded but when you find out you're coming here and you get a goal in that first game like what what are the emotions uh, of that moment just kind of being on a team that you know feels like it's got a different direction than, than the one you were coming from yeah that was a plus for sure you know it's uh I know I know I'm there to to bring the grit finish my hits, uh, you know, bring that energy, bring that kind of safety valve and kind of take some load off of uh, other people that's been doing it. And, uh, but when you, you, you score a goal, you're, I think my second shift, you know, there's a little bit of weight lifted off for sure. But like I said, uh, I could, I could care less about scoring goals. It's not, it's not my job. Uh, I want other guys to succeed and, and, and do what they do the best. And I, I feel for me doing, what I do best is uh, bringing that uh, that that grit, being safe defensively, and uh, you know, obviously, cashing in sometimes is is always good. When you traded mid year, what does that 
what's that feel like? You got to get acclimated to a new city. Like how, how jarring is that just personally? Yeah, this year was kind of kind of kind of different. You know, I've, I've got traded mid-year when I was in the American League, and it gave me a chance to play in the NHL. And then I spent a few years in Buffalo and got traded after the camp to go to Montreal and then got traded in the summer. But this one was really different. It was, uh, you know, as a family guy, uh, it's, it's, it's always hard. Uh, but we knew, you know, I, like I said, I put, I wanted to put myself in this spot. It was trying to sign an extension or play in the playoffs. And for me, it was playing in the playoffs. And uh, I put myself in that spot. And for the month and a half before trade deadline, we knew it was going to happen. You know, it was clear and direct with my agent and uh, the GM uh, in Anaheim. At that point, it was just a matter of where and when. And, uh, no, it made, it made it easier for sure, I think, on, on the family side. But, you know, when I got here, it was just excited. You know, when I got the phone call, from Anaheim just saying that I got traded uh, and he told me, you know, uh, you're going to Minnesota and not even two seconds after Bill called me and you know, just, just seeing how excited he was and how welcoming just a phone call was. And obviously you looked right away. As soon as I hung up, I, I looked right away at the, the, the roster and I knew four or five guys, even maybe more. So it makes the transition easy. And I made sure that I came in, as soon as possible, like I got the call maybe at, I would say noon or one o'clock and I was on a flight at 7.15 for practice the next day. Uh, I wanted to be here. I want to, to be a part of this. This is special. It's hard to explain how easy this transition was. My first practice, just walking at the practice rink was, uh, was just overwhelming of how everybody is so close and just not the team, the staff, the coaching staff, everything, organization, and, uh, you know, it made me feel like I was there already the whole year and uh, it made that transition easy. So I think that's why, you know, first game I came in, you know, you, yeah, you get the jitters, you're excited. But, you know, I wasn't nervous at all. I felt I felt in right away. And uh, the, the funny part of that is uh, the next day was a trade deadline. And when we picked up uh, Flower and Middleton, you know, I was texting Flower a bit and, uh, you know, Middleton, I, I saw him walking in the hotel and I was like, yeah, you want I grabbed dinner. We're staying at the same place at the at the hotel, you know, and uh, kind of explained to him. I was like, hey, I, I, I'm, I don't know him well at that point, but, you know, we fought in in preseason and, you know, just just a great guy. And uh, I told him, I was like, you'll see it's something special. It's, it's hard to describe how easy the transition is. And after practice, we drove back to the hotel and he was like, I feel like I've been here. You know, it's a it's a you don't get those those feelings often. I've been in a few teams, and this is uh, by far the easiest transition I've ever had. Last thing for you, I love to hear love hearing about that. You you know the the opposite side of you know fighting is you find yourself in the penalty box a fair amount of time. What do you think about Nick Delorier while you are in the penalty box? <laughs> Depends for what when it's for uh, fighting. You know, it's more of. Uh, like just last game, you know, uh, you know, I fought and I had to get some stitches and you're, you're glued to the table getting stitches, but there's one eye always looking at the game because you want to see if you did something good or if you changed the momentum a bit. And just before I came back, we scored two goals. So, you know, it's, it's something, like I said, for me, to, do I love it? I, absolutely. And uh, when those things happen, it just gives me that extra boost of, you know what, like, 
sometimes those things change the game. Sometimes they don't. I, I'll be completely honest with you guys. But when when you come back out and it's one nothing or two nothing, you know, you you feel like maybe you've helped a little bit this kind of boost of energy. And uh, but you know, when you're in the box, that's that's what happens. You know, a lot of a lot of people are asking me why why are you so friendly in the box? You know, it's to be honest with you, we. When I fight something, somebody like we, I fought McDermott twice this year and we had some good chats in the box. He's in the same role as me. You know, it's, it's not a fun job. Uh, and, you know, you, it's more being respectful to each other. And when it comes to in between the, the boards, you know, the, the, there's no friends, but, you know, after the game, you can shake hands. And you know, that's, that's how old time hockey was. You know, <laughs> you, you heard some stories of old time hockey. The guys would, would fight two or three times a game and they would grab a beer. So I think that, that's why, you know, being respectful to each other and, uh, you know, when it's time to time for business, it's time for business. Speaking of that, I guess one more final thing for you. Like you said before, no playoff experience. What do you imagine that next jump will be like? Because this is going to be a playoff team, barring something really weird. I mean, this is a team that's on it, on that path and, and has aspirations to, to not just make it, but, but go far. Have you thought about, you know, what playing in the playoffs will feel like? Obviously, I... I I would lie if I would say I'm not trying to think about it, but I'm more of a guy day to day. I, you know, we got a game today. Uh, that's what I think about. We got what, eight, 17, 18 games left. Uh, those are the games that you think about, but you know, I'm excited. Uh, I've said it multiple times playing here as an away team was not fun. This building is rocking and, you know, being in, on this side now it's, it's, it's insane and can't wait. You know, for me, it's obviously everybody dreams of winning the Stanley cup. I was at one point, you know, I want to play one game in the playoffs and prove that, you know, I could be effective. And, uh, no, I'm excited. Uh, I, I try not to think ahead of it. Uh, you know, I want to keep that as a little surprise for, for myself. But, uh, no, I'm excited. It's it's going to be something special. And, uh, you know, just even now, uh, you're trying to set your game up for, for the playoffs. You know, this this last month, month and a half, you're you're trying to, to, to set everything team-wise. And I think uh, for us, our – for me, especially, I think playoffs already started. You know, I'm trying to get into it right away, and uh, and you know, we play we play a lot of hockey lately, and it's this is how the playoffs are. It's a it's a different season. You know, you get the first season to, to set the bar and, and put yourself in, the, in that spot to play a postseason, and then the real season start. Should be fun, Nick Delorier. Great uh, conversation with you just now. Appreciate your time and the best of luck going forward. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Like I said at the beginning, uh, Nick Delorier showed up on the Zoom with all sorts of wounds on his face. I'll probably I'll probably play a clip of that uh, promoting the podcast on Twitter later at Randball. So you might want to go check that out. You'll get a full a full appreciation for the visual of Nick Delorier. But awesome guy. Um, really enjoyed talking to him. Just a you know an interesting introspection on his role on on how excited he is to be on this team how quickly he feels like he fit in so um one of those guys that you kind of root for just because I, I i get uh, i get the sense that he he has the right perspective and is in this game for all the right reasons wild by the way lost thursday night 4-3 in overtime still picked up a point good game against pittsburgh they were a little little flat early on. They were kind of making uncharacteristic mistakes, but they did battle back from 3-1 down to get that game at least into overtime. Another Kirill Kaprizov goal. What can we say about him that hasn't already been said? I mean, the guy has been 
I mean, he had a he was, he was having a good year, but he's found another gear um, lately. He's just un, unbelievable, peaking at the right time. I mean, peaking is even the wrong word, probably for someone of his caliber. He's just showing off his excellence in an even bigger fashion at the right time, and just impressive to watch. Um, and, and you know, they're going to need every bit of that down the stretch and in the playoffs. But I feel like he's got that to give. Speaking of beyond impressive, like I said at the outset, we are at the Women's Final Four all weekend. Paige Beckers spoke to the media on Thursday, kind of about coming back home to play, what it's like now that she has the experience of actually playing in a Final Four with fans and things like that. You forget, some of these players haven't experienced that because, you know, the tournament was canceled two years ago. And, you know, this year, last year, it was kind of bubbled up and they didn't really have a chance to interact with people. This year, much different. There's Fan Fest stuff going on. There's, you know, it's going to be a a full Target Center on on Friday and Sunday, I would imagine. So that piece of it is different. And she spoke about that with reporters on Thursday. Yes, still hasn't really sunk in. It's really surreal to me. I've been in this locker room before um, during a state tournament in, in high school. So it's all familiar. It's all crazy. Um, it's also crazy just because last year we were in the bubble. We were in San Antonio the whole time. And it was basically testing, practice, and back to the hotel. So I think we're all just grateful that it's not that experience again. And we're excited to be have fans. We're excited to be in different locations. And I'm obviously super grateful that it, it's at home. But it doesn't really matter the location, where it is. I just We're all excited to get to the Final Four and to keep playing. Four great teams should be a lot of fun. It's not just the Paige Beckers show, so we don't want to insinuate that. But the, all all of these teams are great. South Carolina is the favorite to win this. UConn's been getting a lot of the publicity because of Paige Beckers, but South Carolina looking to kind of cement its place um, in that way upper echelon of women's basketball. And it feels like winning this one would do that. Let's stay with women's basketball for a little bit here and some interesting stuff coming out of the Gophers women's program. Sarah Scalia, Gophers leading scorer, 17.9 points a game, made 41.3% of her three-pointers entering the transfer portal. And that is a big blow to Lindsey Whalen's program. Lindsey Whalen talking about it on uh, on Thursday, saying, I met with Sarah on Wednesday. She told me her intentions of entering the transfer portal. I thanked her for her contributions to the women's basketball team and wished her well going forward. Um, sounds like, you know, Kent Youngblood, our very good women's basketball writer who covers the Lynx, covers the Gophers, will be one of our lead writers at the Women's Basketball Final Four this weekend. Got a hold of uh, Sarah Scalia's father, Peter, and said the, the relationship between Sarah Scalia and Waylon was good. But, you know, with Scalia having two years of eligibility left, even though she's played three, there's that extra year now because of the COVID year. Um, she's, uh, it's kind of looking to win right now, and Whalen's teams have not won yet. There's a big recruiting class coming in, but no guarantees how good this team will be right away. Sarah Scalia's father, Peter, saying the clock is ticking. She's a pretty strong-minded kid, and she was like, I want to win. Interesting. So, you know, success, not, you know, individual success for Scalia, not breeding success for the team uh, a factor, it sounds like, as was maybe some of the work ethic of of some of the other players on the team. You know, he, Kent was paraphrasing her father here. But he said, uh, well known for her work ethic in the gym, she was looking for teammates with the same commitment. 
He said, the freshman class is coming in with that work ethic, he said, but there are unknowns in year one and how quickly these kids will develop. So this sounds less like a disgruntled player and more like someone who's looking for a change of scenery and a chance to win where that might not be possible here because of, you know, the relative youth, the other players, the Gophers have left. I mean, this is not just, this is not their only transfer portal loss. I mean, they lost in the middle of the year. Jasmine Powell entered the transfer portal. Um, Caddy Sissoko announced recently she's going into the transfer portal. I mean, a lot of their best players leaving. And that, you know, if you'd have added some of those players to the, the foundation they had coming in, these these young players they have coming in, might have been a pretty good team next year. Now, Whalen's going to have to really hit the transfer portal herself, find some players of comparable stature, which is not easy. Like you saw, Ben Johnson was able to get, you know, was able to get some of that. Jamison Battle was, you know, was probably the prime example. But, you know, a lot of the players the Gophers were able to bring in last year after losing so much to the transfer portal were just not the same, you know, level of recruits that, that the ones they were losing. And it showed up in a last place finish in the Big Ten. So, this is a uh, it's a big moment in Lindsey Whalen's Gophers women's basketball coaching journey. She really needs this recruiting class next year to be as good as advertised. Number 10 in the country, all of them from Minnesota. That's kind of been the dream all along. If this class is great, everything will be forgotten. If this class, you know, not to put too much pressure on them, I hate to do that, but it just feels like that is kind of where they are going to have to put all of their focus right now after losing all of these players to the transfer portal. I mean, it's just... It's it, it's a it's a tough tough blow. It's a it's a tough thing. You knew there were going to be growing pains with this program because Lindsey Whalen's never been a head coach at any level. You know she took over the job straight after straight after playing for the Lynx, and you know through four years now they haven't made the NCAA tournament. Um, they've struggled to really gain traction. They've lost some players. Um, you know if this thing's going to get turned around, it really does feel like this recruiting class coming in is going to have to be the one to do it, and we will see. If they're able to do that, but Sarah Scalia, we'll see where she ends up as well. A big loss for the Gophers women's basketball team. Let's finish with the cooler. I thought this was gone. I, I believe there was something written earlier this spring that said the automatic runner on second base in extra innings of baseball games was going to go away. Well, it is not. It was announced Thursday that that extra run, that automatic runner. On second base, uh, in every uh, you know, in every uh, extra inning, is going to be there. Um, I don't like this rule. You know, I don't. I've talked about it plenty. It's just it's kind of a fake, artificial way to get games settled more quickly. Um, you know, instead of addressing actual baseball issues to improve time of game and pace of play, they're just kind of cheating the margins of the game with rules like this. I mean, it, as far as like. You know how outraged I am. I'm probably less outraged than when it was initially proposed. I've seen how it works. It's you know, it's okay uh, in some regards, but I just I don't like any. I don't like rules that that are, that again are shortcuts that are designed to replace actual improvements in the game. And that's how that's what I feel like this this rule is. It's it's an it's a you know it's a way to not have to actually address the things that are wrong with baseball and instead just take a shortcut so that rule is back look for not quite a ghost runner they put an actual runner out there but uh, look for that in games this year if it goes into extra innings you will see that runner just trot out to second base it'll be just like somebody hit a double even though they didn't really hit a double and that bothers me not as much as maybe it did when it first started but it still bothers me a little bit 
that will do it for today. Don't let that bug you all weekend. I'm not going to let it bug me all weekend. Enjoy the women's basketball. Enjoy the men's basketball. Enjoy everything coming up your way. Lots of great sports. Wild and Wolves right in the middle of a playoff race. So much stuff coming up. Twins in, you know, twins getting ready to start this season. Should be a lot of fun as we get into April. And listen for that bonus podcast this weekend as well from the Women's Basketball Tournament. And back at it Monday with Patrick Royce. I'm Michael Rand. Thanks for listening to Daily Delivery. We'll see you on Monday.